I'm glad you're here today, Real Life. Are you glad to be here? I, uh, I love moments like this. We get to gather as Jesus Church and be reminded of who we are and what we're doing and where we're going as a church. And, and really, uh, life kind of gets kind of hectic and crazy and drags on at times. And we need moments like this to be reminded of our purpose, that it's much bigger than ourselves. A lot of times, life just kind of gets sucked into what you have this week or what you had last week or maybe p- pain or problems that you have. And this is a time just to kind of zoom out a little bit and get your head up and, and get your eyes up and see, wow, there is God in heaven and he created us and he has purpose for your life and he wants us collectively as his church to live according to that purpose. And we as a church are with you in that, who God is calling you to be and who he's making you to be. And we wanna walk with you, equip you, encourage you in this process, becoming who God made you to be. And so, man, I'm glad that you are here today and hopeful that your heart is soft and ready. Like, okay, God, we wanna hear from you. We're kicking off a whole new conversation today. We're gonna walk you through the Old Testament over the next several weeks. And we're not gonna do it bit by bit, I promise you. It's gonna be like big theme by big theme, but it's gonna be a chance for us to see how our story is a part of a much, much larger story. I know I get discouraged when I feel like this is all there is. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, this is all I got, and this is all I've accomplished, and this is all my life means, and oh man, I, I feel like so insignificant so often, but I think God wants to show us how we are a part of something much, much, much larger than any of us have ever known or seen or experienced. The Old Testament has often been very daunting. Anybody intimidated by the Old Testament? It, it is like, wow, stories and wars and craziness and seas parting and locusts and, you know, frogs invading Pharaoh's palace. Like, okay, what do we do with all of this stuff? We, we, um, we have an opportunity over the next several weeks to go, okay, God, you've been telling a story for the last several thousand years, and we get to be a part of it. And so I'm excited to see how God speaks to each of you today. We would love to get a couple things from you today I just want to encourage you with. One is that connect card that, that is a part of how we help pastor the church. Anything going on in your life, uh, any way that we can walk with you, put that on there. Drop it in the box as you leave. Uh, it's just a chance for us to interact together and know where you're at and what, what's going on and how we can help. Uh, the other thing is this. We've been talking about giving the last couple of weeks. Uh, we tithe around here. We give 10% of our income. And many of you are still learning what that means and what that looks like for you. Uh, but today is another day to be reminded, like, as God puts money into your life, into your bank account, there's a chance to trust him and be obedient to him. A tithe is 10% of our income. We return it to him faithfully as a part of the local church that we are committed to. And so I want to encourage you to do that today. Uh, we gave out Uh, over the last couple of weeks, this 90-day Tide Challenge. And many of you um, took that card with you, been praying about it, and are bringing it back. I want to encourage you to drop that in the box as well if you need another one of those. Uh, We want to see how God works over the next 90 days. He said, test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven. Uh, We want to watch how God does that in our midst as we are learning to obey God with our finances. That giving envelope on your seat will help you take that step uh, with a cash or check, or you see all the digital options inside there as well. Well, um, we had an awesome plan uh, for this new series to kick off today, and um, that plan included James, one of our group's pastors, preaching today, and God had other plans. And so uh, James got really sick. I got a text last night about 8 o'clock saying, hey, there is no way that I can do this tomorrow. I'm like, 
we will rally. We will figure this out. We will jump in and see what God wants to say to us. And so we're on an adventure together today, okay? You and me, us together, going, okay, God, what do you want to say to us today? We are really all ears. Uh, and I, I'm right there with you. So uh, I'm excited for this uh, conversation today. And uh, I do believe that God wants to say something to you specifically, where you're at, what you got going on in life. And um, James and Mia and their family need our prayers. Man, they've had so much going on with Seven being sick for so long in the hospital and, and now more of this going on in their home. We just, uh, we love those guys a ton and, and, uh, and really believe that God's going to work miraculously in their lives. So why don't you open your Bible to the very first page, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. That is where we are kicking off. You're laughing. I am serious, okay? Um, because this is where the story starts, this is where the story that you and I are a part of begins, right here in Genesis chapter 1. I said we're going to walk through the Old Testament, and this is where it begins, the beginning. <laughs> and uh, I, really, I really think um, this is a conversation that God wants to speak something to you specifically in. And so I just ask you to soften your heart today. Ask him to, to speak to you, make himself known to you. I'm going to pray one more time and just ask God to meet us as we unpack his word and ask him to um, move in this time. Lord. We do come honestly. We do come with humility. Um, Got to come with a bit of desperation in my life. God, how are you going to do this? And um, just trust in your grace to be in this time, your spirit to be leading these words to be your words, not mine. God, that your word would come alive to each of us, that Holy Spirit, you'd be here illuminating this truth from your word, from scripture to each of us right where we are today, God. You know every story in this room. You know every person that's hearing this, God, and you know the exact detail of their life and how much you love them and where you want to meet them at in their story, God. And I just pray that this would be a time of encouragement, of strengthening, of, of deepening your church, God, that there would be uh, salvation in this time. There would be hope that fills hopeless hearts in this time. There would be healing and, and transformation in this time. God, I am believing for the miraculous in this time, God. None of us are here just to mail in another Sunday, God. We're believing that you want us here and that you have a reason for it, God. So we're trusting you to do that work, to speak powerfully. We love you. In Jesus' name, can you say amen today? Amen. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I want you to hear this. I don't know if you've read this before, but this is... Um, this is the beginning of it all. When there was nothing, God existed. God has always existed. He's always been. Our minds can't really fathom like an eternal existence, but he's always been. You think back to the beginning when the world was without form, uh, void, darkness was over the face of the deep. This is verse 2. The Spirit of God was actually hovering over the face of the waters. God has always been, and it was into that void and into that chaos and into that darkness that God made a decision. He decided to create this world that we live and exist in. I think this is so powerful because I, I oftentimes lose touch with the magnitude of how big, how powerful, how amazing our God is, that there was nothing 
And that was the void to which our God spoke and created all that we know, who you are, the life that we live, the world that we live in, all the things throughout all of human history that have ever happened began in this moment. Before anything was, God has always been. So anytime you get a little too self-centered and arrogant, this is a good verse to kind of hold on to, right? Before we get thinking that we're a bunch of everything and our life is so, like, God, before everything, God was, God is, God has always been, and he is the creator and sustainer of everything. Verse three, God said, that's all it took was his word. I think about that, and it just blows me away. All he had to do was speak. We hold in our hands the spoken and revealed word of God. Everything that God has spoken over your life is contained in these sacred scriptures right here. And the power of God to speak in verse 3 when he says, Let there be light. And there was light. He saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the night, the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. All it took was a word from God for the emptiness to be filled with light, to begin to separate the light from the darkness and call that day and that night and, and see that it was ordered perfectly. Think of this, out of the chaos, uh, I, I love verse 2 when it says the the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Waters is always a symbol of chaos. Think about how chaotic a river is or an ocean is. You get dunked in that thing and you are fighting for your life. God was hovering over that and out of that chaos, he brought order. He brought light and darkness. He brought a separation between the two and it just took a word. This is our God. This is the creator and sustainer of all things. This is what it, what it started like with his power and his ability and his grace and his love. God made a decision. God, didn't, God wasn't lacking. He wasn't sitting around wondering what he should do with his eternity that he had coming up. God wasn't like lonely and longing for, you know, relationship with us. God was totally complete and content, but God made a decision to create this world that we live in and exist in. God decided to begin to speak, and he spoke this creation into existence. Now, over the next seven days, this is day one, God began to create the, the, the heavens and the earth. He began to create the skies and the land and the birds and the animals and fish in the sea, and, and, and he, each day, he saw that what he had created was good. And I love this. As God is finishing his creative work, he recognizes that what he has created is good. It's in order. It's the right thing. It's the right way. Think about what he created over these six days, these seven days. He, he created all the cells in, in, in all of life that you know. He created the ability uh, for life to come out of brokenness, for, for, for all of the, the amazing stars you see in the sky, all of the, the animals and the intricacies of all the different species that walk this planet. God thought of all of that. He dreamt it all up. He created every bit of it. He spoke it all into existence. I don't know what this does for you, but man, this just humbles me so much and just puts me in a place of, oh, God, 
that you would be able to speak all of this into existence. And every day he would finish each day going, yep, it is good. On the sixth day, he created man and woman. God created um, people. He made us in his image. Look at chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. I love the plurality right here. It's It's a nod to the trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God and three distinct persons. Try to wrap your head around that one, okay? We could spend the rest of our lives trying to understand this, but here is the Trinity present in creation, God the Father, Son, and the Spirit, all present. You see the Spirit hovering over the waters. The actual spoken word of God is Jesus himself. John chapter 1, if you were to go there, in in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The very word of God is Jesus himself here present at creation. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Some of us could do without so many creeping things. Amen. So God created man in his own image. I love this. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Two things I want to say right here. One, his image. We are the image bearers of God. It's a very sacred thing. That we have the uh, we have a volition, we have a will, we have a decision um, way of living this life that we get to decide. All other animals operate off of instinct, but we have a will. We get to make decisions. We have a volition of our own. This is part of the creative work of God. He decided to put inside of us a choice. Who do we listen to? Who do we obey? Which direction are we going to go? This is love. Because if God were to make us just animals of instinct, if God were just to make us like robots pre-programmed with the way to go, uh, we, he would not be a loving God and we would not be in relationship with God or out of relationship with God because it would just be a matter of, of programming, right? But because of his love, he made us in his image with the ability to decide, choose the way that we will go. And the other thing that makes us in the image of God is, is this creative power inside of us. The same way that you can go to work and take a mess that you would call chaos and bring order out of it is just like God was able to do here in Genesis chapter 1. Out of the chaos, he brought order. He, he, he began to create. You have creative power inside of you uh, to take the chaos and make it into something ordered and right and structured and routine and work. You're like, that's my Monday, right? The chaos into order. This is the creative power. You can make something beautiful out of nothing. You could take what, what's been given to you and actually arrange it and orchestrate it into something wonderful. Maybe it's music. Maybe, maybe it's, it's art. Maybe it's, it's, it's uh, a spreadsheet, and you're really good at spreadsheets. Any of you in the room? Yes, okay. That is, that is art. That is creativity. That's amazing. This is <clears throat> what it means to be made in the image of God. And listen to the distinctiveness. He made them male and female, he created them. In the world where all kinds of pressures being put on the distinctiveness of men and women, it is very clear at the beginning how God made us. He made us male and female, very distinct, very different. And those differences in distinctiveness is to be celebrated, not suppressed. 
And I think that that's really important that we recognize this. At the created order, there is a way that God made us as humans to be. And for us just to acknowledge that and submit to that, it's really, really, really powerful. He's the creator. He gets to decide how his creation goes. Right? If he made it, he gets to decide the way it is to be. That's where the laws of gravity come from. That's the law of sowing and reaping that we were talking about the last couple of days. That's where this, this, this heart really comes from is that we understand he's the creator. I'm not. I don't get to make up my own set of rules. If he's the creator, then I get to learn to live by his standards and the way that he created uh, this thing to be in order out of the chaos that used to exist. This is Genesis chapter 1. You'll see seven days. On the seventh day, God rested. Genesis chapter 2, God zooms in on the creation of man and woman. The sixth day. Pick up with me in Genesis 2.18, if you would. He says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. So Adam has been created, and Eve has not at this point in the creation story. And so God notices something is not right. Remember, I said every day that God finishes creation, he says, it is good. It is good, light and dark. It is good, the sky and the stars and the moon. It's all good. But this is not good, verse 18. It is not good that man should be alone. That we are created to be in relationship with God. Adam had God at this point in, in human history. He had relationship with him, but he had nobody to be in relationship with. He says, I will make him a helper that is fit for him. So now out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. This is really cool. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Think of the role that God gave mankind in all of this creation, that we would actually be in this place of dominion over creation. The man gave names to all livestock, to the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. None of these fit. I don't know how long this takes. This must be a long day. Right, All of the animals got brought in front of Adam. Uh, people will argue, is it a literal day or figurative day? We're not going to get into all that mess. But, but right here, just, just think about this. Like Adam's like, that's a giraffe. That's definitely not a helper, right? That's, that's a hyena. Not gonna, nope. Uh, you know, just like th- this enormity of this task uh, that, that God had given Adam, and still there was no helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. While he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man made into a woman and brought her to the man. This is like glorious moment of all of creation is this moment right here. Then the man said, more accurately translated, if we knew Hebrew and could really understand this, the man didn't just say like, oh, cool. He like, sprang to life singing. Like literally, this is a song that just erupted out of Adam's heart. Ah, at last, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This is like the pinnacle moment of all of creation right here. Now, finally, all of creation is good. It's complete. It is the way that God wanted it to be. And look at the next verse. Verse 24, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Marriage started right here at the beginning. 
ever wonder about marriage and how it should be? There's a lot just packed in. I mean, we could preach a whole marriage series out of verse 24 right here. Most of my marriage counseling is a man shall leave his father and his mother. That will take care of so many problems right there. And hold fast to his wife, right? This is who we are as, as husbands, holding fast to our wife, and they shall become one flesh. If there's ever a struggle in your marriage, one flesh is the design for your marriage. If there's any time that you are not walking closer and closer to unity with your spouse, then there is tension in your marriage. And so, anyway, like I said, that's like three-part series right there. We could get after it, but let's not. We're preaching this one, all right? So I want you to just kind of pause with me for a second. This is creation. God just made the entire world. He just spoke it all into existence. Everything that God said happened, it all came into being, and it was all good. This is the beginning of your story. Like, your story started right here. Our story started right here. We often find ourselves bogged down in the ordinariness of life and the problems that we're facing and find, it, find ourselves really disconnected from purpose and significance and meaning and, and feeling like fulfilled or like my life is a part of something powerful and real and I feel so insignificant and small and like nothing really matters and am I really even effective? Are my kids going to turn out all right? Is my marriage okay? Is, it, is, it, is my work really purposeful and meaningful? Like we find ourselves kind of in that drifting spot and I just want you to just take a step back and go, yeah, your life might be a vapor. It is small. Our lives are so small in in the course of all of human history. But you are a part of this miraculous story right here. You're a part of something powerful. The God and the creator of all things, the one that spoke this creation into existence, planned for you to be a part of this story. He planned you long ago. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He had thought and intention. He wrote every day of your life down in his book. He knew who you are and the gifts and the way that he was going to make you and the, the, the thoughts that he had about you were so numerous that they, they wouldn't even be contained in a book. Like This is the creator and the sustainer of all things new and wanted you to be a part of this story. But our story is a story of, if we're honest, a lot of us struggle. A story of, of, of sin and shame and burdens and, man, a mess. Like, you look at war in our world. You look at turmoil. You look at uh, trafficking of kids in our city. You look at this, the darkness that exists in our story, and we go, ah, I, I hate this. I, I hate all of this injustice and this pain and cancer and sickness, and like all of this starts to bring this angst about in our hearts and our lives. Why? Where? How is this all right here in chapter 3? The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So this snake is part of creation. And, and now the snake comes to Eve. And I got questions about this. If, if you're like me, you're like, how does a snake talk? Um, he, like he has, a, he's, he's a man or like what is, like how is it that this is possible? And so I don't want to glaze over that like, oh, this is normal stories. Like, hey, welcome to real life. We tell stories about snakes talking. Uh, no, we do, like this is, this is really crazy, right? But this is, this is a picture of what was going on here and how to explain this exactly, I'm not sure. But, but I do know that this is a picture 
of how the enemy of our souls works in our lives. This is a picture of how brokenness began to enter into our world. Satan, the enemy of our soul, the devil, the serpent, said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? I got to go back now to Genesis chapter 2 because God gave Adam a command. He says, I want you to eat of all the trees in this garden, but I don't want you to eat of that tree in the center or the midst of the garden because if you eat of it, you will surely die. What God is doing here is he's showing Adam that he actually has a choice to make. Do you decide to follow God or go your own way? This is the love of God. If God didn't give us this choice, then like I said before, we would just be programmed robots and we wouldn't have any volition of our own. But because we are made in the image of God, God presents mankind with a choice. Choose my way and live or choose your own way and experience death. And now enters the serpent preying on their, their heart, their emotion, preying on their weakness, getting them to ask a question, did God actually say? And this is how the enemy always works in your life. He's always trying to get you to doubt the goodness of God. He always wants you to get you kind of thinking like, oh, maybe God doesn't have my best interest in mind. Maybe the way God created the world wasn't really good. Maybe it was flawed, and maybe I'm flawed, and maybe they're flawed, and so I need to fix it. I need to take matters into my own hands. This is the temptation. No temptation that has seized you except one that is common to all mankind. This is the way temptation comes into our lives. Do you really trust God? Can you trust God? We're talking about finances a minute ago. Can I trust God that if I tithe, give 10% of my income, that he is going to provide in my life? Can I trust that, that, that God is going to lead me in this marriage? If I really walk according to God's design in marriage, can I trust that it is going to be good? Can I trust that he is good? Can I trust that he has my best interest in mind? The enemy is always trying to get you to doubt. And so the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So first doubt, now a lie. This is how it happens. It's a, it's a, it's a lure to get you to question God's motives and God's heart and God's design, and then he begins to twist it into a lie that seems more appealing. For God knows that when you eat of, of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, he twists it. And I'd say that this is the core of sin for many of us, is when that temptation starts to give birth to sin in our lives, sin is us saying, you know what? I don't want to do it God's way. I want to do it my way. This is us trying to be like God, in charge the way I want life to go, the timing, the priorities, the, the plans, the purposes, the strategies, this is how I want my life to go. It's a self-led life. That's the invitation. That's the temptation. That's what the devil's trying to get us to do all the time, day in and day out. This is the way it goes. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired and make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. This is known as the fall of mankind right here. She ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now look at this moment. There's a lot to learn here, and 
Again, I'm not doing a marriage sermon, but man, there's some real marriage gold right there. Because God gave the command to Adam. He never gave it to Eve. It was Adam's responsibility to give this command to his wife. She obviously had it because as the devil is tempting her and asking her all about it, she knew all of it word for word verbatim. But then as this temptation was going on, Adam, her husband, the one that God had entrusted with this command, with this responsibility, stood there silently. And I think about sin in our life. Sin is not always just what we're doing wrong. Sometimes sin is not doing what we should be doing. Sometimes sin is not speaking up when your wife is being drug away and enticed. Sometimes for us in our lives, there's darkness and hardship going on in people's lives all around us, and we're just watching it happen. We might complain about it or talk about it in, in these quiet, but we're not actually engaged. Sometimes, man, the silence is the, is the most deadly sin for so many of us. I think about it in our marriages. Man, man, you may not know what to say, but you need to say something. Man, this is one of the greatest struggles for me in my own marriages. I, I don't want to get it wrong. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't want to say it wrong. I don't want to do it wrong. I don't, I, I don't want to mess it up more. But oftentimes, that, that silence just perpetuates some of the issues or the challenges that you're facing, maybe some of the turmoil. Like, just step in to that void, into that silence. And when I see this, I just my angst just kind of rises. Go, ah, oh, that is so like us, isn't it? Adam is such a type of who we are and how we struggle with sin. Some of us, we do all the wrong stuff, and others of us, we just don't do anything at all. Whew. God help us. Their eyes were opened. You okay? Okay, sorry. Intense Richie just came out, okay. <laughs> we're talking about sin. <laughs> Lighten up, dude. Lighten up. Oh, okay. Um, the eyes of both were opened, and they both knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. Something happened. Something changed. Their eyes were opened. See, all that was created was good. In fact, you read the end of Genesis chapter 2. They were both naked and they felt no shame. Now they see that they're naked and they start to have shame and they start hiding. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So a couple things to notice here is that Clearly, the relationship between God and man, the way it originally was, was walking in the cool of the garden together. But day in and day out, there was this abiding presence of God and man. This is the way God created us to be, in right relationship with him, in an abiding relationship with him. But that got broken right here in this moment because they began to hide from the presence of the Lord. So shame enters their story. Hiding begins to enter their story. And the, God, the Lord God called to the man and he said to him, where are you? Think about how many of your stories you've been hiding and a lot of pain from your past or brokenness that you've experienced or things that have been done to you. And even you being here today is God just a simple question, where are you? What's going on in your life? What's keeping you hidden? So Adam says, I, hear, I, hear, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. So God said, well, who told you that you were naked, Adam? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, well, 
The woman... This is not supposed to be a marriage sermon today. The, the woman that you gave me to be, to be with me, um, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. It's her fault. So then the Lord turns to the woman. Well, is that, is that what you've done? Well, no, not really. The serpent, the devil, right? He deceived me and I ate it. Think about this picture. Like shame, fear, hiding, blame just entered the story. If any of these exist in your story, I want you to know you are normal. This is our story. Every single one of us have begun to suffer the effects of all of this pain and all of this brokenness, all the blame, all the shame, all the hiding, all the brokenness that you've experienced in your story. It all started right here. This is where it all began is, is in this place where Mankind decided to not trust God's leadership in their life, that what he knew was best is actually best, and decided to go their own way. I want to take matters into my own hands and do life my way and control my life and control my outcomes and use my strategies. Proverbs 3 says, man, don't lean on your own understanding. Do, do not try to do it in your own way. With your own, In all your ways, acknowledge him, it says. And he will make straight, direct your paths. For you and I just to kind of recognize, oh, this is the core of our story right here. Is the created amazingness that God made us for, to be in right relationship with him, walking in the cool of the garden with him. And then the destruction of sin as the enemy of our soul begins to enter into our stories and lure us away from the purpose of God, the plans of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God. God's created order was perfect. And then sin enters and begins to destroy and tear apart. If you read the rest of chapter 3, you'll see curse come upon woman, curse upon the snake, curse upon man. You'll see them driven out of the Garden of Eden. They can't be in the presence of God in this way anymore. There's no way for this to be happening like this. And so God drives them out, puts a protection around this tree of life, and the story just continues to unravel from there. You got to know this about our God. Our God was not caught off guard by this moment in the story. He wasn't like, oh no, what am I going to do now? This actually began what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. That God began to put in motion from this point on a rescue. Oh, my people. I made them to be in relationship with me and they rejected my leadership love, my order, my plans, and they went their own way. The Bible says all, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us have tried and tried, but we've all fallen short of God's glorious standards for our lives. The sin has infected every single one of us. It's the nature that we're born with now. It's like inside of us, infecting us, affecting every single thing that we're doing in this life. It's all filtered through this self-centered, self-serving desire. And it's something that brings all of us to our knees at one point or other. Either right here on this planet, in this lifetime, when we finally get to a recognition of like, God, God I can't make this life work on my own. I can't figure this all out. I can't make relationship with you happen the way it was intended to be. God, I need 
help. I need salvation. I need to be rescued. Whether it's in this life or in the life to come, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it is only at his name that you and I are given the opportunity to have salvation. It is eventually this story is going to play out to this beautiful, quiet moment when the rescuer enters our story. And that question that God has been asking ever since the Garden of Eden, where are you? Now begins to have kind of a solidity in our hearts. Well, I've been wandering. Well, I've been hiding. I've been struggling and sin. I've been addicted. I've been, I've been wrestling with God. I've been doing my own thing. And the invitation becomes, as Jesus enters our story, the invitation becomes, well, will you turn? Will you turn from your self-led life, your rebellious attitude, your own devices, your own strategies, your own desires, and will you turn to the rescuer, to Jesus, to the Savior? That word is called repent. To return to the way you were made to be. The way God created you to be in right relationship with him. And repentance is a first step and it's a daily step. It's a heart posture. It's an attitude. It's a mindset. God, where is my life distant from you? Where am I hiding? Where have I allowed blame and shame to rule my heart? God, I return back to you again in desperate need of salvation, of a Savior, of your love, of your mercy. See, God sent his own son for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were separated from God, doing our own thing, stuck hiding in the, in the trees in the garden, God sent his son to say, hey, where are you? Do you hear my voice? Do you recognize my love? Do you see my grace in your life? Do you understand that I have a way and a purpose for your life that is so much better than the one that you are trying to figure out for yourself? Do you see that I made you specifically? I created you, and I have plans for your life, and you're not going to get there on your own. Would you come back to me? Would you return? Would you repent? Would you turn your heart to me? See, this, this is where our story starts to get really good. The good news is that every single one of us could have this opportunity to return to right relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how deep your shame and your blame and your hiding has been, God is still here asking, where are you? Will you come back? And our hope as a church is that you would say, yeah, I will repent. I will return to the way God made me to be. And this is, like I said, this is a first step, and it's an every single day step. So that's my invitation to you today. Richie, what do you want me to do with this sermon? The word that I just, as I was praying last night after I got the text from James, all morning this morning, just sensing God wants us to many places in our life where we are self-led, self-directed, self-sufficient, self-reliant, turn to him. 
invite you to close your eyes, maybe open your hands. God, we return to you. We acknowledge the brokenness of our own stories, the places where sin has affected us, the attitudes and the rebellion and the pride, the fears that have owned us. God, and we know that you are our only hope. It's your salvation through your son, Jesus Christ, is our only hope. So God, we return. We come out of our hiding, out of our running, out of our shame, out of our condemnation. We come to you. Thank you, Jesus. It's you who knew no sin became sin for us so that in you, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. We return to you today, Jesus. God, we ask you to meet us in our returning, in our repenting, in our confessing of needing you, Jesus. I do pray over every story, God, where there has been hiding and shame and blaming, God, and that you, your voice, your invitation, the question, where are you, would just ring in each of our hearts and our minds and our lives, God, that you would draw us back to yourself, that you would draw us to a place of humility. You are the creator and the sustainer of all things, God. We just humble ourselves before you today. You are our God. You are our hope. You are our salvation. You are our healing. You are our reconciler. You are the strength of the soul, the light of this life, a lamp unto our feet. You are the one we turn to, Jesus. It is your life, it's your love, it's you, God. We just turn to you, Jesus. in your heart of returning. If you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, hope is today that you would bend your knee to him. You would confess him as Lord of your life. You should be baptized today. Our team would love to meet you in the back. If you're ready to be baptized right now, we'll meet you back there. We'll baptize you today. Let's just spend these few minutes in worship, just returning to God.